Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 1st of May 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Family life is always complicated, and that's certainly true in Hong Kong. We live very closely with our families and sometimes struggle to stay steadfast in our relationships. This week, as we're adjusting to the return of the humidity, we'll be listening to Sapphire as she tells us a story about love. After Sapphire, we'll hear a story from Jen about her own experience with love. Before we get to the stories today, though, gigantic and heartfelt thanks go out to our hometown listeners in Hong Kong this week, and always. Your continued support keeps us going. Thanks go out, too, to listeners this week in Clifton, New Jersey, and Los Angeles, California, in the USA, Cottesloe in Australia, and Tokyo in Japan. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next live show is in May, and it's called Top Notch, and there are two of them. On May 30th and June 1st, Hong Kong Stories will take to the stage with our favorite stories from the past 12 months. These two shows are part of the Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival, which is an extravaganza of spoken word performances, all taking place this year at the Fringe Club in Central. Alongside Hong Kong Stories will be Hong Kong Improv, Comedy HK, Peel Street Poetry with Spill Stories, Liars League, and five of the top podcasters in Hong Kong interviewing their specially selected guests. Tickets are available from the website at hongkongspokenwordfestival.com or follow the link on our own website, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now from our December 2018 show with the theme of Happy, told live at the Fringe Club in Hong Kong, here is Sapphire. Who do you think is the one that loves you the most in the world? I asked my five-year-old daughter the other day. I'm a busy mother with two young children. I travel constantly, and I try to keep my hobbies on the side. After the birth of my baby boy, my time alone with my daughter becomes even less. Of course, I worry how she feels and if she knows how much I love her. She's now at an age that she starts to become more aware of herself and more sensitive about the happenings around her. When I finally find some time alone with her, I wrapped my arms around her and came up with this question. Who do you think is the one that loves you the most? Growing up from a traditional Chinese family, I was never really asked that question, but instead was asked often, who do I love the most? I learned that the most important thing for me is to make my family proud. I suffered greatly when I feel my mother didn't approve of my decision 
and was devastated when my when my father was not supportive of the things that I do, when I really should have just enjoyed myself and be happy. The top of my daughter's head was right below my chin. I rubbed her curly open hair, which was recently cut short at her insistence. When she first asked me to cut it short, I was shocked. Girls at her age dream about being a princess with long, long hair. I remember how much I hated it when I got my hair cut short as a little girl. Why do you want it short? I pretend to be calm and neutral. Her big brown eyes sparkled with determination. Because I want to be like mommy, she answered. She likes to dress up like me. She likes to do sports that I do. As a Eurasian, she always say that she's Chinese because mommy is Chinese. So when I ask her the question, "Who do you think that love you the most?" and she said, "Mummy," I was not too surprised, but of course, glad to be reassured. That's the answer that I expected and anticipated. As a mother, I'm happy that my daughter takes me as her idol. But I'm aware that she shouldn't just be your mini me. She should be the best version of herself. And it's perfectly okay if her version is different from mine. I was a tomboy who seldom touched Dolly, and her favorite toy is Barbie. I avoid anything pink, and she loves pink. When I went shoe shopping the other day on my own for my daughter, there were these white sneakers with either pink or blue sole. I bought the pair with blue sole back home, telling her that if she prefers pink, we can go back to change it. We did go back to change it, but at the shop, she changed her mind. She decided to keep the blue ones. It was at that moment that I realized my little five-year-old daughter wants to please me. She forgot about herself. I took time out to take parenting course. The teacher asked each one of us. What made us decide to take the lessons? Lots of parents say that well, the children are not listening to them, or they're always having fight at home. When it came to me, and I answered, "The reason why I'm here is because I want my daughter to be her own person." So, who do you think is the one that loves you the second most in the world? I ask her again. I want to see if my equally busy husband has been doing a good job. I believe with my existence, 
the best result you will ever get is a silver medal. There is this competition going on, subtle competition going on between the parents, and I'm extremely capable and competitive. Daddy, she answered, "Good, he's done his best." What about the third one? I continued with my question. In fact, I think I know the answer. From the day when her baby brother was born, they've been very close. So, who do you think is the one that loves you the third most in the world? I know the answer already, but I still like to hear from her. Myself. What is that? Is that what she just said? Myself, the one that loved me the third most in the world is myself, and the fourth one is my brother. She said it so surely, so naturally, and so happily. I can't tell enough how surprised and how happy I was when I heard that. If this was a question with multiple answers, it didn't even come across my mind that myself was among the A B C choices. In fact, it was never really on my own list. I wrapped my arms around my daughter, even tighter. If there is any anticipation. I have of her. It's not how much fortune she can make, or how much achievement she can get, but that she can always stay true to herself, love herself, knows how precious she is, and be happy. It's good to be reminded of the importance of loving yourself as well as others. Sapphire loved her own story enough to bring it to one of our free workshops and share it with others, and you can too. We hold free workshops every week at different locations around Hong Kong. Go to our website hongkongstories.com to find out more. Hong Kong Stories is a group dedicated to promoting the art of storytelling, because storytelling helps us to connect. One charity organization in this city working to connect people is Lizzie B Foundation. Here's what they have to say this week: City life is often perceived as anonymous and uncaring. Lizzie B Foundation is all about proving this perception wrong. Lizzie B runs art projects to bring together and empower the disadvantaged in our community, improving well-being and enhancing lives. Find out more about the projects Lizzie B organizes. Go to lizziebee.org. That's l-i-z-z-i-e-b-e-e.org. Creating a more artful world at lizziebee.org. Now our second story today is one from way back in 2016, a story we pulled from the past. Here is Jen.
I walked into the room and I was faced with about 20 or so 17-year-old boys sitting in rows in desks, leaning as far back as they could. Some of them even had their arms crossed and some of them even had their heads tilted to the side, only making eye contact out of the corner of their faces. This was the grade 11 boys PE class. And instead of being out on the basketball court that week, they were in the classroom because it was health and personal development week. And I was the guest speaker brought in to personally develop them. <laughs> the teachers at that school, who, which was about 90 minutes outside of Vancouver, had been hearing lots of homophobic insults and jokes about gay and lesbians among the students and decided it was time to do something about it. So they called in me. I was the youth worker at the community center for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people in Vancouver. And we had a whole program for going into schools and dealing with this. What we would do is just go in and tell our personal stories of what it was like to be gay or lesbian and add a sort of a human touch or a human face to the issue so that hopefully it would make those jokes and insults harder to say. And for the most part, it worked. I had done dozens of these talks, and I was pretty used to it. So it didn't really matter to me that the guys weren't really in the mood. In fact, it didn't matter even what was going on in my personal life. That week, for example, I had just broken up with my girlfriend. But it was fine, because I just tucked that to the back of my mind, and I went in and did my speech. And now, I started the way that I always do, with telling them kind of what it was like to come out to my parents how my mom was kind of supportive almost right from the beginning. And my dad took a little bit longer, but eventually came around. And at that point, the guys started to relax because they knew I wasn't there to scold them or lecture them or anything like that. <coughs> and then I went on and told them about one of the hardest things about growing up, knowing that I liked both boys and girls. And that was getting reliable and accurate information about sex and dating. Now, I was in high school myself in the early 80s, and we did have sex education, but it was limited. If you were a girl who liked boys, you were told that that was natural. And those urges that you had, those were perfectly normal too, but just never act on them. <laughs> sex would only lead to terrible, terrible things. Loss of reputation, diseases, babies, it was not a good message, but at least it was a message. If you were a girl who liked girls, you were invisible. Now, this seemed to strike a chord with one of the guys, and he raised his hand, and he said, so how did you figure stuff out then? And I said, well, I just kind of had to go it on my own, make it up as I went along. And then another hand went up from a guy right in the front who had this really earnest look on his face. And he said, so how do you know when a girl likes you? I said, well, the same way that you do. But the earnest look didn't go away. He raised his hand again and said, yeah, so how do you know when a girl likes you? <laughs> so that had been a general question. That was not directed at me. That was, he thought I might have some insider tips for him. And I did not. I had gone there prepared to share some stuff, but not talk about my dating life. I, my mind went blank. I actually don't even remember exactly what I said to him, 
other than I know it was complete bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, you just gotta go out and meet people and find some common interests and, you know, and sometimes maybe take a risk and ask somebody out and, you know, it's hard because it's, it's not easy. And, uh, and the thing that made the rambling even worse was that they were listening so carefully. <laughs> had nothing for them. And that thing that I said was tucked safely into the back of my mind, right up at the front. All I can think about is the breakup. And I'm thinking, I have nothing to give these guys. I am dying in front of them. And yet the hands just keep going up. <laughs> yeah, so I want to know, have you ever like messed it up? Have you ever been like totally shot down by a girl? Oh, shot down. Well, that's a really negative expression. I don't know if I'd say shot. I, I sure, you know, I've had some experiences, um, recent experiences. And, uh, and I don't even know why I was trying to act casual, because it was just written all over me. And I realized I was just going to have to admit it. I had so been shot down. And then there was another hand. <laughs> Dude, that's so harsh. <laughs> Suddenly I was a dude. And I looked around the room and all I saw were these caring and compassionate faces. They were leaning in and they were feeling my pain. And I realized that it was okay, that I had actually reached my goal of humanizing the queer experience. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Our hero of this podcast is Gina, who curated and directed the December 2018 show. Thanks, too, go out to those volunteers who are helping out with the Spoken Word Festival. You are all appreciated. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.